G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Hi, this is Andrew McLennan. Many Australians look at politics and like to complain about what we see. As Christians, we sometimes see policies and direction that our faith struggles to comprehend or understand. But few of us jump into this arena and try to make a difference. Federal Member for Longman, Terry Young, has thrown his hat into the political ring and joins us now. Welcome, Terry. G'day, Andrew. Great to be with you, mate. Good to have you, Terry. And I'm going to jump straight into it. You are a sitting Federal MP in the state of Queensland in the seat of Longman. Terry, how did your faith lead you into politics? Uh, look, I think like most people of, of faith, Andrew, we, you know, we have times of, of prayer and contemplation and, and uh, we think about things and, and that's how we you know, communicate uh, with God. And uh, I just felt uh, a strange call to get into politics. And I've got to say that it, it really had to be from God because I tell you, it wasn't a natural uh, urge, I can tell you. So you weren't one of those kids at school dreaming about becoming a politician one day or wanting to be the class prefect, I'm guessing? No, I was dreaming more about playing footy or cricket for Australia, mate. <laughs> but tell me about your background before you entered politics. What were you doing? Uh, well, look, I, I was typical of a kid in the early 1980s, left school when I was 15 in grade 10 and went off to try and get an apprenticeship. Uh, I wanted to be a motor mechanic and I ended up actually starting an apprenticeship as a saddler, making saddles for horses, which is quite interesting. Uh, lasted about three months of that and said, blow this, and uh, got into sales and retail. And just through a, a journey, I was a Chandler's manager, for those who can remember the, the old Chandler's brand, and uh, then had a Good Guys franchise and then ended up in the golf industry selling golf clubs and uh, owned a Drummond Golf franchise. So, yeah, so retail background, mate, basically, and small business ownership. Because I love the story of your dad. He was a stockman. He was a professional bull rider on the radio circuit back in the day. He was a heavyweight boxer. I think he was the runner-up of uh, Queensland, played rugby league yep. with Arthur Beetson at Redcliffe there. And I think your dad said yep. to me once that he never started a fight on the football field, but he was forced to defend himself many times. <laughs> yeah, well, that's his story, but and he can stick to it. But uh, yeah, no, Dad was a bit of a, a jack of all trades. He was uh, he left school when he was fourteen and and went out to Bully and worked on a cattle station. But he had a dream to to write, so he ended up as a journalist. And he and he was a journalist for about twenty years with the Sunday Sun, uh, the Telegraph, and uh, yeah. So he he it was interesting. He, he was self educated. He learned on the job, and I was very much the same way. So I probably got a little bit of my dad in me, and. Um, and, I, and that's a good thing. I'm, he's a great man, Dad. He is a great man. And he also found faith, didn't he, later in life? And then uh, that faith was, was handed down to you. Yeah, it was kind of bizarre. We were not brought up in a, uh, a home of faith by any stretch. Uh, I thought Jesus actually had a middle name uh, that was different. But anyway, I won't go there. Yeah. Uh, he was a very rough, ready. He was brought up by an atheist father. He did have a praying mother, though, my grandmother. And uh, he was 47 years old. He'd been through a terrible time. He had a business that went bankrupt and uh, he was just searching and uh, and he went along to a a Clark Taylor meeting and uh, yeah, and uh, found faith and found out that uh, he had a God that loved him 
and uh, and turned his heart there. And then over time, uh, I, I saw the same. Um, I saw the change in his life and investigated myself and made the same decision. Wonderful. And and so obviously you, you've jumped into this political space, which is something you never imagined you'd ever do just a couple of years ago. And what I love about your story is when you first were nominated for pre-selection, no one gave you any hope, did they, of winning that seat in that election? No, they didn't. And uh, for those who can remember, there was a, a, a by-election the year before of which five seats around the country because of the Section 44 issues with dual citizenship. And Longman was one of those. And uh, they had run a different candidate to me uh, in that election, and they'd been soundly beaten. They'd also used all, pretty well all the funds. Ex- elections are expensive. So we had very little money. I wasn't given any chance of winning because, you know, Labor just won it in the by-election pretty convincingly only about six months before. So, but anyway, I threw my hat in the ring, and, and we got out there and just did what we did best and got on the ground, talked to some people, and got across the line and then got elected in the second term, which is, which is great, great honour. So you're saying that six months prior to your election, the party you now represent lost the by-election. You were given the, the option to run in that seat and no one gave you any hope, any chance. But you're feeling in your heart, I feel like God wants me to get into politics and you literally win that election just six months later. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, you know, it was part of ScoMo's miracle win. And, um, you know, there was two seats that they just did not expect to win, which got them government, which one was... Uh, Herbert in, in Townsville with um, Bill Thompson, who's a great guy, and and my seat. They were just, you know, weren't seats that we were, we were supposed to win. And we won those two, and that gave us a, a small majority government, which was fantastic. So, Terry, since you've been in politics, have you seen evidence of faith in the political space, in that political realm? Look, there are people who profess a faith. Um, you know, it was quite interesting, this term, that, um, you know, we thought, well, we open every day in Parliament with prayer that we sit. Uh, it's just the Lord's Prayer, very simple, and it's optional who turns up. And uh, we thought for sure that that would go uh, with the with the current government because uh, the Prime Minister, I'm not sure about his position, but he doesn't seem to be a person of, of great faith. But um, Speaker, to his credit, kept it. So we, we've kept that going. But Okay, let me I've just ask you then, how many normal. people... How, sorry, Terry, how many people attend that, that uh, prayer in the morning, the Lord's Prayer? Yeah. Well, it's hard to know because if you're on duty, you've got to. Oh, okay. <laughs> no <laughs> so, choice. <laughs> yeah, so, but it is optional for anyone who's not on duty. I, I make a point of getting there every day. I don't think I've missed one. Uh, just because I think it's a good way. It takes about two minutes, uh, and it's a good thing. But there, we, there are probably about... We have a Christian fellowship in Parliament. There's probably... I would say, 12 to 14 members of that fellowship. Oh, that's good. So they're all sitting federal members? Yes, all senators. There's about 230 lower house members and senators. Yeah, Yeah. so there is some prayer happening down in Canberra with some of the sitting uh, members and senators. Yes, there is. Yeah, no, we have a fellowship group, and uh, there's a couple of groups. There's a, there's a pastor. Uh, there's a couple of pastors that roam the halls, and you've got access to them at any time. Uh, they do hold a little Bible study for those who want to go. There's only normally two or three go, but um, you know we're inconsistent because of the meetings and just the way Canberra works. But it's there for us if we want to, so there's no lack of opportunity. Let me ask you, Terry, how does faith help people become better leaders and better politicians, do you think? Oh, well, I just think that you know the Bible is the blueprint of a successful life. It's been proven over and over and over again. And whether you're in politics, whether you're in business, or whether you're you know, you, you, you're an employee just working on a job or you're a farmer working on it. It doesn't matter what you do. If you 
dig out those principles, those little nuggets of wisdom that are in the Bible and apply those to your life, you're going to have success. And, you know, you've only got to look at the greatest leader of all time was Jesus. And, you know, you follow his example, um, empowering people, you know, uh, encouraging people, uh, being able to delegate, you know, all those things are in the Bible. They're all, they're just pearls of wisdom that you can apply to your life. So, yeah, it holds you in good stead if you take those principles and apply it in general life. Absolutely. And as you said, it's relevant to all of us. Let me ask you, we're, we're coming up to this voice referendum, which is obviously a hot topic in Australia right now. How does your faith help shape your view of this voice referendum? Well, it's a really difficult one, Andrew. I, I, I'm very pragmatic. Uh, this is not a party. Uh, this is not a Labor versus Liberal thing. This is very much a, a, a matter for people to, to think about. But my fears are that people will, one, say, look, they're just going to get it anyway. They'll just keep badgering until they do. So I'm just going to vote yes this time. That is the wrong reason to do it. Yep. Um, I, I, my view is, is that what should happen is, is it should be legislated. I have a problem with it being a referendum because... Once it's enshrined in the in the Constitution, if you need to change it or abolish it, you have to have another referendum. And they cost $300 million each time you have one. So for me, it should be legislated and then let it run for three or four years. When there's issues, which is going to be, because no one can foresee the future, they can be ironed out through amendments in, in Parliament, which costs the taxpayer nothing. Uh, whereas every time we have to make a change, we would have to go back to a referendum. And that, to me, is just ridiculous. So I am definitely uh, a no on this vote. I want uh, recognition for Indigenous people to say that, acknowledge that they were the first people here, because they were, uh, but the voice of Parliament is not going to solve any of the issues that we have in closing the gap, and it's just going to create another level of bureaucracy, and that's bad for this country because we've already got three levels of government and it's already too hard to get anything done. Absolutely. And even that view of government, because we're living in a world, not just Australia, but across the Western world, where everyone, there's a almost a subconscious narrative, isn't there, that big government is the answer. Government holds all the keys. Listen to government. Let the government run everything and, and society will be you know, a utopia. But how does your faith contradict that view, Terry? Well, I, I think, you know, the Bible's full of examples of personal responsibility. You reap what you sow. There are consequences good and bad, for every action and every decision that you make. And by governments taking over, that takes away our humanity because it takes away choice, which is the greatest gift we were ever given by God. The second thing is is that it's no longer your fault if anything goes wrong. You can blame the government something else. And the book of James tells us that you know um, we build character through trials and tribulation. And it's very important that we make mistakes and we learn from those mistakes and we become better people from that. And what happens is the bigger the government gets, the more robotic we become and the more dehumanised we become. And that's my concern is that they're taking away our very humanity. And that's why socialism just does not work. Well put, Terry, because there was definitely no government in the Garden of Eden, was there? There was just God, Adam and Eve. And they seem to be having a good time without government. And, and just finally, how does faith help you view the topic of freedom of speech? Because this has become a hot topic, you know, and I'll give you some examples. Donald Trump's son, you know, was really given a hard time for just wanting to come here and talk in Australia. A couple of years ago, Milo Yiannopoulos, who, whether we agree or disagree with him, he wanted to come and speak in Australia. He was shut down. The Australian government wouldn't give him a visa. And there's now recent calls to prosecute people for misinformation on social media. How does your faith help you view this topic of freedom of speech, Terry? 
Well, look, I think, again, I, I am an absolute advocate for, for freedom of speech. However, I am also an advocate for consequences. If, you, if what you say damages someone's reputation uh, or hurts them physically, emotionally, financially, then there should be consequences for that too. So I'm a believer in consequences for every action. So you want to go out there and say things, go your hardest, that's fine. We live in a country that allows that. But hang on, if you say something that hurts someone else, there will be consequences for you. So I, I, I'm a great believer in that, Andrew, and, that, and that's how I settle on it. And the trouble with social media is you can say what you like behind a keyboard. You've got no accountability they're above the law, and that's not right, and we need to do something about it. And and obviously, we already have laws, don't we, for slander and libel and, and defamation well, of character? Well, we do, but it's too expensive for the average person to go through, and uh, these giants have got their lawyers and so forth, and they just bully them down. So there needs to be something done, and that's our job, was we need to find some solutions to these problems, right? Well, Terry, it's been really good talking to you today, really great hearing how your faith has shaped your journey into politics and like all politicians we're praying for you praying for the government of our land that god will continue to bless us and give us sound judgment good wisdom good leadership and as the bible says that we can live peaceably and the kingdom of god can continue to grow in australia so terry young federal member for longman thank you for your time and joining us this morning good on you mate and don't forget this country was founded on christian principles and that's why it's always been placed and that's why it's so good so we should never forget that Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.